0: Hello and welcome to this ISBA, BursaCast Friday Focus episode. If you listened to yesterday's episode, you'll know that today is all about cybersecurity, And we're going to be hearing from Simon Holden from Cyber. Simon is the founder and managing director of Cyber. And today he's joined us to talk us through all the latest trends and insights from the sector. So how best to defend your school against cyber attacks and how to make sure you've got the best cyber posture possible. So, with all this to look forward to, let's jump right in. So, good morning, Simon. Thank you very much for joining me on this Bursacast.
1: Uh, Thanks, Leo, for having me back again. Uh, really enjoy them.
0: Yeah, no, well, it was a great episode last time. Got through lots of good content and had lots of downloads on that. So, clearly, cybersecurity is something that, well, as we know, is on the forefront of everyone's mind now more than ever, possibly, as new threats constantly emerge. Um, So, I mean, what have you seen happening lately? You know, as an expert in the industry, what have you seen as the key areas of concern for schools lately?
1: Uh, I think, I mean, now, now having quite a few schools under our belt of, of uh, going through the process with them, there's there's probably, uh, well, one one word: cyber posture, uh, and then splitting that down into human and technology is where we see the the biggest uh, issues. I think if we look at the human side first of all, uh, and it mainly focuses around the IT teams, so. A lot of schools will focus on training their staff, and they do a cyber uh, checklist every year. Has everybody followed that the training? That's great, but it's the it's the IT teams that are actually implementing cybersecurity. And what we sort of find is the the staff they're good and they're very capable, but they've hit their knowledge ceiling because they spend most of their time firefighting every day in the school, making sure that the cables in the back of the the uh, screen in room 37 and the printers are working and I mean that's they don't really have much time to focus on the security aspects of the role and I mean it's becoming huge that that security vulnerability and I just find that I mean that's that's an area that's always under resourced and both in terms of training and in terms of manpower so you'll find that I mean school IT teams can range from one single person to maybe four or five if they're big and I mean, you put that in context of some equal-sized companies, like medium businesses, that maybe got IT teams of ten to fifteen, maybe bigger, uh, running with somebody dedicated to security. So I think that that, for me, would be the, the biggest part around the human aspects of the the risks. Uh, and you get within that high threat gaps, which and what do I mean by that? Well, there's there's certain staff who need extra training, and I would say like finance teams. Uh, admissions teams i mean they're the people that are on the front line getting lots of uh, emails inquiries coming through so they're probably more susceptible to uh, any of the attacks that are out there at the moment Mm,
0: i I Uh, guess as as parts of school now move to being more digitized more online more streamlined and more efficient there's also new threats opening and you've got to make sure that these are shored up i guess
1: Totally, totally. And that and that leads me to the, the sort of second part, which is technology. And the, the biggest risk there, or the, the biggest concern we see is misconfiguration. And what do I mean by that? Well, it's, I mean, people will buy new bits of shiny kit. They'll all get it installed. The IT teams will love it. But it's all set up as the default settings out of the box. And sometimes it's not working with other pieces of kit. And you'll find that, I mean, it's just a simple software toggle switch is not turned on which is making you highly vulnerable. Uh, and that's in the sense of vulnerability through open ports. So like that's any device that can communicate will have a thing called a port. And if they're all open, then hackers can get in through multiple routes. So it's like leaving all the doors open in, right. a, in, a, in the, the school building. So what you sort of want to try and do is close that down as much as you can. Uh, you find them um, with the equipment, it's not being patched, it's it's always outdated. So you'll find there's, there's uh, old versions of Windows being run on servers. There's software that's being run by departments which is out of date. And anything that just leaves a vulnerability. I mean, a hacker can exploit that quite quickly. And uh, we see that quite regularly. I mean, when we do penetration tests against uh, schools that it'll be through third party software applications like printer software like uh, music department software. I mean, there'll be something that's sitting open and it's old and you can get straight into it.
0: So these are some areas where things can be easily attacked. Let's say what areas are there that schools can easily and also cheaply change things to make a difference?
1: Uh, Probably if you, if you sort of pull the thread on that, that posture part, it, it goes into three areas. And I would say, uh, cyber training, governance, and, and understanding. So you now if I sort of go into a bit more detail of that. So cyber training, well, I sort of touched on that in terms of it needs to be focused and it shouldn't be just one size fits all. Because a bit like when we do safeguarding training every year in Kixie there's a different parts and different members of staff need to read the different parts. Well, cyber should be exactly the same. So uh, I would say IT staff, need to have, I mean, an enhanced training package about what's out there, what are the threats, how to combat the threats. And I mean, one of the things we do are like called cyber injects. So we run like a one day package for upskilling the, the IT teams. But the, the end, the output of that is to be able to, for schools to do more by themselves and resource it in-house. And I mean, so as they're not having to keep spending money on consultants or people like us coming in to do it, uh, it's much more efficient. So. I mean, I think you need to get that right for the IT teams. And then the other members of staff are those, those high threat people. So, again, is it your finance team? Is it your your admissions team? Is it the head? Is it the SLT? I mean, we, we see regularly now like sort of spear phishing and phishing attacks that are out there, uh, people trying to imitate uh, being the headmaster or the headmistress. And I mean, sending an email to somebody, more advanced ones are voice-activated uh, scams, where they actually have got their voice sampled and uh, are doing it. And just people need to be alive to this. So I would say, don't do a one-size-fits-all cyber training if you can avoid it. And it's actually more cost-effective. I mean, tailor the packages to who you need. Uh, governance would then be the other area. Uh, and again, this is this is very low-cost. It's just ensuring that you've got the right procedures, policies. Uh, to be able for everything to run. But that needs to be top-driven or top-down driven. So I would say that from the board through the SLT downwards, uh, everybody needs to be on board with cyber. And that's understanding what your risks are for it and then how you want to be able to operate as a school. And, I mean, do you want to have a zero-trust policy where everything's locked down and then you open it up as you go along or are you happy with having a, a more open policy? Uh, and you, you have to decide that and how it works with you managing your risk. But I think if you get the governance right, get the strategy right, then everything starts to happen. Most of the times we see that there's not a strategy in place for cyber. Uh, and that's where things are sort of left wide open. Uh, one of the key ones there is like password policies. You'll find that there's either no password policy set. And then on the systems it's set, there may be two characters or Three characters, which I mean, as we all know now, you, know, you need to be having twelve, sixteen characters or more uh, within that. And then I think baseline understanding is the, the sort of third part. And it's like anything, you you can't you can't develop if you don't know what you look like. So I would really recommend, uh, and this is where there's a bit of cost associated with it, but it's not huge. Is people have a vulnerability scan pen test done on what they currently look like. And that will show you all those misconfigurations, how easy it is for somebody to get in. And any data that's leaking out there, I mean, you'll find if shared fo- our folders are being shared and you can see them. I mean, that, that allows you then straight away to start locking stuff down, coming up with a plan. Uh, but also, it if you do it against a framework, so like Cyber Essentials, it will give you an idea of what you need to do to be operating at the sort of the government's minimum level. And I think that's always a good framework to have. And then you can remediate. And from the bursar's perspective, then you can sort of triage that into yearly spends and then be more focused on it rather what we sort of see is everybody goes, right, we need to replace all our switches this year or we need to replace all our software this year. And we're doing that whereas actually you can probably trickle it through but being more focused on it. So that's why the the baseline understanding is for me, uh one of the, the first things that should be done
0: yeah absolutely and then looking at kind of i suppose what comes out of this is being active not reactive to this sort of stuff and staying one step ahead of the game with it all uh, what sort of if you had to boil it down to the key things of what to do to remain ahead of it what sort of springs to mind
1: yeah i was thinking about this the other day and i'm going back to my my days in the military, uh, thinking about, we love principles of everything and the, the defense, the principles of defense. Um, when you sort of think about it, your, your IT posture or your, sorry, your cybersecurity posture is all about defense and it's layered. So you've got defense in depth and uh, multi-systems. But the key bit that a lot of people forget about is knowing what's going on outside of your perimeter and i would say that's that's one thing that people want to do and it's monitoring what's going on so the it teams can be sitting looking at logs of what's been happening i mean how many logins has there been attempted you know i mean is there an increase in traffic at a certain time of day and they just get an understanding of what things look like but also then you can use what's called open source intelligence or osint as it's referred to and that's just anything that's out there on the web to try and find out what's going on so i mean there's lots of forums there's i mean just even if you google the school's name uh you will maybe find there's stuff sitting out there which is the school's being talked about and then you can do something about it because it's it's not just also the the risk the operations it's the risk reputation isn't it so you want to be able to sort of guard against that and that's either the school or key members of staff so i would just say always be proactive uh in what you're trying to See what's out there, but I mean, get on top of all your the simple security fixes, and that keeps you one step ahead. You mean so patching is the, the key one. I mean everybody will say that, uh, but nobody does it really properly. And I mean you need to get into a battle rhythm where every every week somebody is doing patching, and that becomes a task for somebody within the IT team. Uh, and overprivileged accounts is probably the other one, which is quite easy to fix, but you'll find that. I mean, especially in the IT teams, people like to be administrators or super users and that have all that power, which is great, but it needs to be contained in a sandbox as such. So therefore, you need to have an administrator account to do this sort of service work. But then that IT member that is the administrator needs to have their own personal account, which they do the majority of their work on. Because otherwise, if a hacker gets access to their, their account and their account's linked to administrator privileges, then straight away they've got access to the whole system uh, through it. So you need to sort of trans segment uh, as you go through. So I think for, for me, that's sort of how to, to stay one step ahead. It's always monitoring and then just close down the simple, the simple things. I mean, operate on zero trust. So somebody joins, they get the minimum services, and then you can start opening up the services as they require uh, more and have a have an assurance level there or a governance level that allows you to do that. So it's not just the IT manager signs that off. It's maybe the bursar has to sign off extra privileges for users on the network. And then you have that, that mechanism to audit and track uh, what's in there.
0: Mm, gosh. Okay. So keeping, keeping on top of everything, I suppose it's, it's the age old thing. That it's not, it's not complicated stuff. You've just got to be thorough and diligent with it.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, again, if you sort of take this back to schools and what schools do really well, and I mean, the bursar's juggling so many plates, and I remember from my days, you I mean, doing that, but like health and safety, everybody's all over that. Safeguarding and health and safety, schools are on top of their game, and they have lots of audit processes for it, so they know if stuff's not happening and stuff's being done. So if you take health and safety, let's take fire extinguisher checks. I mean, they, you know that every certain amount of time the fire extinguisher has to be visually checked uh, physically checked refilled where is it i mean is it and, and there's an asset register for the, the all the fire extinguishers and that stuff just works and it's clockwork but nobody really does that for uh, any of your cybersecurity so again it's about just having a process where you're checking stuff regularly and once somebody's allocated to that task then it, it sort of works doesn't it and it's one less worry you have Whereas I I always see that people will ask the question, nobody likes to be caught out. So the answer will be yes, we're doing that. Mm. And then we'll come along and do a vulnerability test or a penetration test and we'll find that that's not being done Mm. and it's not sitting there. So again, it's just like identify your procedures, allocate them to people, and then just make sure they're doing them. And then that makes the whole internal audit much easier.
0: Okay, sure. And I mean, before we started recording, we discussed a little bit about the um, a new service you guys are offering. Because, I mean, a lot of ISBA's work and schools work is, you know, keeping children safe. And you mentioned their safeguarding and health and safety and stuff. And regarding Kixie, they recommend that schools conduct online checks on shortlisted candidates as part of the, the safer recruitment process. Um, ISBA has a, a great course on this if anyone's interested. Um, but I understand that you guys have developed a solution to this too.
1: Yeah, well, we hope so. I mean, I don't know if it's the silver bullet, but again, it goes back to the the sort of defence and layers and how we could look at it. So online checks is such a grey area because, I mean, the, the Kixie says that you, you should do, and we all know that should means must, uh, but it's what does that look like? And you know, we've got the criteria to search against, but normally it'll be somebody in the HR department sitting, uh, putting somebody's name into Google and that's what comes up. Or there's some companies that provide a social media check. Uh, so against like Facebook, Twitter, I mean, a- any accounts that somebody has. But I mean, my, my worry with all that at the time is that's only surface deep. And it's only based on an account that somebody's using. Now, if people are sort of want to be up to no good or they've got a jaded past, uh, they won't be using one account. There'll be multiple accounts. And it's about how do you have access to that? without outwardly asking them. And that's not something you really want to be doing. Uh, so we we have teamed up with a, a large data company, uh, which we can access then from the dark web to the surface. And it's all open source, so it's publicly available information, but it will show if there's any sort of other user accounts out there, any access to websites that sort of would raise alarm. Or do I you mean just any any other activity that's been going on out there that might have been captured uh, over and this goes back over 15 years, uh, which just really gives you another layer to add to your DBS checks, uh, and we just think that this is something that it, it fits in line with what we try and do here in cyber is about making cybersecurity accessible to the education sector both in cost and and technology, and this is sort of bringing novel technology which. It gives assurance that it's a cybersecurity company doing it with uh, right. all our analysts are all ex-military uh, intelligence trained people. So again, you're getting somebody that knows how to pivot on data and what they're looking for. So you, it's not just somebody looking at Facebook and seeing what the posts are on there. It's more, I mean, has there been any activity which would raise concern? Uh, and that's what it's all about in the safer recruitment process. And You want to know that you are doing as much as you possibly can to ensure that you are you're you're getting the right people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then to f- finish this up around 20 minutes, if you had to give three top tips for bursas for actionable practical things to do after listening to this, what would be the top three steps you'd say?
1: Train your IT teams. So uh, get get them on some focused training. It doesn't need to be weeks of it. It could be online courses, but I find that it's probably better getting them in a room and talking to them. Uh, and not via PowerPoint, but maybe getting them to be shown how to do things, because uh, that's that's one of the biggest areas of weakness. Uh, make sure your ports are closed down. So, again, get your IT teams to look at that or get a consultancy uh, firm to look at that. But it's a pretty, pretty easy process. But we have found recently uh, well, not recently, but with a lot of schools that we do IT services are sometimes outsourced to third parties, so you're sort of having to go through a proxy to make sure that these security features are enabled, which can just take a bit longer. So I would just say close that down, and probably the other one is the old one of MFA and passwords. I mean, ma- make sure MFA is switched on, and I know that lots of schools all say it's switched on for staff but not pupils and that Bob. I mean, if you if you have 500 to 1,000 pupils that are bringing devices in, well, there, there's your threat surface has increased and you're not doing anything to limit them getting on the network. So I, I would say that's it. And passwords is just making sure that passwords are strong. So is it a phrase? Is it a mind of character? So they, they would be my do now. And then all this stuff i discussed earlier on would be, I mean, you want to get on top of that as well.
0: Yeah. And then looking forward, I understand you guys are doing a new sort of community-based project coming up. What's what's that about?
1: Yeah, so uh, that's where the that's where the name Cyber was actually born out of. It was uh, Cyber for Bursars, and I wanted to, to sort of make it grow the community where, in sort of Chatham High style, bursars can get together, talk about issues around cyber, and learn from each other and learn from industry experts. So. Uh, it's taken us a while to get it up off the ground, but we're on the 28th of uh, this month, so 28th of November, we're running a lunchtime session uh, for bursars uh, and some of their IT directors, which is really a 45-minute sprint on talking through some of the key issues that we have. So this one coming up will be about how to manage cybersecurity through a third-party uh, IT provider, quite topical, have just discussed it see safer for recruitment, again, how to use open source intelligence and what can be done. And then what are the current trends out there? What are we seeing in terms of threats? How can you sort of mitigate them? And some of the schools there will be able to talk from their experience of having been through it and what they've done and then like a question and answer session. and, And we'll aim to run these sort of once per term and then have some keynote speakers come along as well if it's a deep dive topic or people want to learn something else. But it's just about Giving in for giving something back, getting information out there, getting people raising awareness, and getting people talking. Uh, so, if anybody wants to to join and they haven't signed up already, please please do email us at info at cyber
0: Superb. Well, exciting that stuff's happening and lots more. Lots more. Uh... Offerings coming forward as things keep changing. Yeah,
1: I think it's. I mean, it's all about being agile, isn't it? And it's a word that's used quite a lot. But I think that we we don't like to offer one size fits all. i mean it's it, this is your standard package? It's like how can we tailor it to every school? But what's out there? What's new technology? And what makes stuff cheaper? And that's good. Cheap cheaper is good for everybody, isn't it? I mean, if we can get access to the technology, using our analysts, using our stuff, then we can offer it at much more affordable prices uh, to the schools.
0: And that, I'm sure, is a, a wonderful note to end on. Cheaper prices, bursars are going to love that as a final note. Um, yeah, Simon, I'll let you jump off. Thank you so much for coming on and, and talking us through all this. And yeah, if anyone likes to jump onto that, 28th of November, have a look um, and head to the ISB Reference Library for any policies or things like that that you might want. But uh, yeah, Simon, thank you so much for, for coming on and talking us through. No, thank
1: you, Lou. It's been fantastic.
0: Well, thank you very much, Simon, for joining us on the BursaCast today. And thank you to you, dear listener, for making it to the end of this episode. As always, if you find these useful, please make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening and share it with members of your team if you think they'll find some benefit too. To get in touch, just email podcast at theisba.org.uk. We love to hear from you, whether you're just saying hello, suggesting episodes or asking some questions, get in touch. With all of this taken care of, we'll leave it there. If you are an ISBA member, please have a look at the ISBA ICT survey as we're trying really hard to make sure we fully understand the needs and wants of our members and the state of the nation. So please do that. Till next time, farewell.